Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, welcome back, Chase Down Block. Late on a Tuesday night, where Mark Schindler, the the newest basketball news hire writer, joining the the great folks over there, basketball news. Mark, good evening, sir. How are you? I'm doing really well. I appreciate the intro, man. I'm uh, yeah, I'm psyched to be. Be, be doing some good work over there. Uh, I really enjoy all the people there. I just was pretty lucky to be brought on, and I'm I'm psyched to be here, man. It's good. I know we've uh, we've had this in the works for a little bit, so I'm glad I could be back and and be uh, be back for my second time. So I know I'm doing something right. Yeah, I mean, until like it, you're just like, oh man, I, you're gonna run the numbers at some point in 2022, and you're just like, I think I've been on Chase's pod like seven times, and he's asked me twelve. Um, what? Okay what's, yeah. <laughs> uh what's going on here um uh, but no thank you as always i i enjoy all your work um writing and just enjoy your appearance on other pods and things like that so i'm i'm glad that you were able to make this work do you have a do you have a do you, an outfit for your dog you're a big dog guy i'm a big dog guy i got cleese the dog here do you have a christmas outfit do you have christmas presents what's what's the situation re- uh looking like a couple days before christmas so this is gonna sound terrible but i literally spoil this dog so often that i decided not to get him christmas presents oh wow <laughs> i know i know you uh, can't do that you can't that do is, it. my money situation right now did not exactly allow for christmas presents for for most people this yeah. year so uh, unfortunately, Moose is going to be without Christmas presents. I do have like plenty of bones stocked up that he will he will be able to play with, and he'll be happy with just a ball. He's like the happiest dog ever, man. He'll do. I mean, he can anything that is round and, and chewable. He will he will put his mouth around and play with. So, um, yeah, he's he's stoked about that. As far as outfits, he does it like. My sister came into town. She lives in Alabama, and so her dog is like not at all accustomed to, to being cold. So. Uh, she got them uh, matching Christmas sweaters that they've been wearing around. And Moose actually really liked it. But uh, other than that, he doesn't really have any other outfits or anything. He normally doesn't even get too cold either, but he, mm. he doesn't mind it. What kind of dog is he? He's a husky. Okay. Full full breed? Uh, he's a mix, but he's okay. like definitely presenting as husky. He's got the uh, you know bicolor eyes. Yeah. Um, one's like icy blue. Honestly, low-key. Low uh, it. If you have the lights off uh-huh. and he's like looking at you with the right side of his face where which, where he has his blue eye, like obviously you can see that eye, but then he'll turn his head and be like, where the hell did my dog's eye go? And <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it, it catches you off guard if you're really sleep deprived uh, and you're still not used to having a dog, you know, whenever he's like, a, like, he's like the Night King from Game of Thrones for you. Yes. Yeah. His eyes are like that piercing blue. That's wild. That's wild. Yeah. I will tell you the trick with uh, dog presents and stuff like this. Uh, the sports renaissance woman does this and uh, we'll do this in a couple days uh, because like people might wonder like why does Khaleesi the dog have Christmas toys everywhere in the house? Um, she loves to do tug like tug is her deal. Um, but here's what you do a couple days after kind of like the Halloween stuff. You stock up on the candy after this. is You stock up on the dog like everything's like 75% off with uh, with dog toys uh, Christmas toys because no one needs the Christmas toys after Christmas. So you stock up after so we just have all these christmas toys for the for the dog because uh the dog doesn't know dog doesn't know what's going on with christmas doesn't care if it's a christmas toy they don't know the difference that's a great point i'll have to do that I, you know we're like i so i normally go to pet supplies plus yeah oh that's where we yeah. go okay that's oh, wild. Right, cool. yeah that's where i normally go because it's closest to my house yeah and uh 
We're, I mean, we're, we're tight with that, but mm. then it's I mean, tight it with like, pet supplies. Plus it's, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. Shout out. Please uh, sponsor the pod, sponsor me, you know, whatever gets us there extra, you go. extra cash flow, maybe like yeah. two coupons or something. Um, yeah, I mean, they're great, but I mean, it's like, if you go to like Marshall's or home goods, mm. they always have like, honestly, some of the exact same toys, but like half the price. So I do that. I, I'll go out of my way sometimes to go there and save some money, but there you go. Yeah. Yeah, you I should probably be... do that moving forward, but yeah. That's the thing, though. It's just you got to be strategic, and it, uh, you, there's a way. There, yeah. If there's a will, there's a way, man. Um, well, in terms of basketball, we, there's a lot of weird stuff. Lineups are weird. Lance Stevenson's popping back up in the league. Like, Pop Psy, former Hawks draft pick, might pop in in the next 48 hours. We'll see. I don't know. Joe Johnson might sign a one-day contract with the Nets, 10-day whatever. Um, it's, it's a crazy time. Um, the league, obviously not slowing down. They're going to keep uh, trudging along and silver was on ESPN today talking about all of that and what they're th- they're thinking is going into 2022. But um, outside of that, it, it's weird. It's hard for me to like really die. Like I think we talked about this where I watch one particular team a lot each week outside of the Hawks. And right now I'm just like, man, I'm looking through rosters and like this week was really hard for me to figure out like, who do I w- want to dial in on? Because I don't know if you're feeling this a little bit, but it's hard to do basketball analysts uh, like analysis right now because mm-hmm. so many teams are just ravaged by COVID protocols that like, I just don't see the point in spending a week on any of these teams at the moment because there's just, it, there's nothing to, to gleam from what's happening and what they're running and who's out there and lineups and this, that, and the other. Like, is that how you feel? Are you a little frustrated with that? Yeah. Um, yeah, no, definitely. Um, and it's, it's it's just been confusing because it feels like every team, like, I mean, even Toronto now, Toronto's got like half their guys. Uh, I think OG and is the only starter who's not in health and safety protocols right now. Um, and it's just felt like that for, it's, it's up to like, it feels like half the teams in the league are like that. Now. We're in the triple digits. Yeah. Yeah. It's been kind of crazy. And I mean, trying to figure that out and, and how to track and watch teams has been, been hard. Um, I honestly, I think I have skilled back my watching just a little bit over the last week because, um, I don't know, like, I mean, I've thought about this a lot. I don't have an answer or anything, but it feels like at the end of the year, like, how am I supposed to take some of this stuff in terms of evaluating teams and, and what does this mean for playoff seating? And, um, obviously that's more like, you know, that's all that also makes me think, well, man, maybe we think too much about sports when all this is going on. But, uh, I mean, it's been, it's been absolutely wild. Uh, I think I've, tried to steer more towards watching the teams that haven't been as badly affected. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, even though I cover the Cavs, I really haven't watched them as, as much recently just because so much of the team has been out and they're playing a lot of teams who have guys out. Um, like Chicago is, is back to close to full strength, but still, I mean, they've, they've had plenty of guys out. Um, I mean, we'll talk about Atlanta later, but they've been all over the place. Yep. And that was without, I mean, even with injuries just beforehand, before having any of the health and safety protocols issues. But I've caught up a lot with Utah and Golden State because mm. both those teams have been pretty healthy for the most part uh, outside of resting guys. So, um, yes, keeping up more with, with some of the top of the West. Actually, yeah, I think Phoenix, too, hasn't really been hit by health and safety protocols yet either. And they play tonight and knock on wood. Yeah. We'll see. I mean, they play the Lakers and the Lakers have like seven active players. So, um, <sighs> yeah. Um, well, you mentioned the Jazz and the the Warriors. What have you gleaned from the two of them? Like, obviously, they're both playing red hot basketball along with the Suns. It's the three uh, creams of the crop in the West at the moment. But like, are you are you 
has your perspective of Utah changed at all uh, based on what you thought about them going into the year? Do you, what have you seen from Utah that's given you any kind of reason for long-term optimism, uh, especially heading into the playoffs? Like what are, what are you learning about Utah as of late? So I still have a lot of the same concerns for them that I had, uh, you know, coming out of the playoffs. Like, okay, I, I mean, yes, they're sixth in defense right now, but there still are very clear weaknesses in their defense. Like, they played San Antonio on the 17th and, and lost 128 to 126, just total shootout. Um, part of that was, I'm trying to remember, I'm looking through, I think, no, they weren't missing anybody in the starting lineup. Never mind. Um, well, yeah, it, part of it is San Antonio has a ton of really quick, guards wings um and utah just had a lot of issues containing and i think that was kind of showing the blueprint yet again of of what they struggle with they struggled with uh, i mean they played a back-to-back and they played washington the next night struggled a lot with guarding bradley beal um they just continue to have real issues defending at the point of attack and defending anything on the perimeter uh and it, i mean that's in spite of how good rudy gobert is I and mean, that's why they're still sixth in the league in defense but that hasn't been fixed but on the brighter side uh, I mean, Rudy Gay has been really solid for them. His, his, his shooting has cooled off a little bit, but it's been less about that and more about the looks that he provides them. Uh, he's playing, he's spending, I think, like 30, 30-ish percent of his time at the five, which is ends up being about five to eight minutes, somewhere around there per game. And it just gives them a new look that they haven't had in prior years. Like Hassan Whiteside's filled in really well for them as a backup center, uh, better than I expected, but you know, Rudy giving them this look at the five playing capably there has been nice. It's still something that they're working on. Uh, like, it's not perfect yet, but I like some of the results so far, especially on offense. I think he's not an issue defensively, in my opinion, in the right scenarios. But, again, it's more about the guys in front of him. Um, but also him playing with Rudy Gobert, like, that's been a really good tandem. I wrote about that over at Basketball News last week. Um, so I've liked that. I've really liked what he's brought. I still think they're a team I want to see make a move. Uh, in terms of just trying to bolster the perimeter a little bit, but Who are you thinking? what I what I've been not sorry not to cut you off. Mm-hmm. But what I've been most impressed with with Utah that I don't think has been talked about enough is how good Donovan Mitchell has been this year. Um, he had a very slow start to the season. I think he was shooting like below thirty percent from three to start the year. Yeah, thirty three percent first seven games, forty um, percent from the field. Like he was clearly subpar. Came in kind of slow. But in the last, like just in December, he's been absolutely on fire. And uh, yeah, so just December, 30 points per game, five assists, 38% from three on 10 a game, 50% from the field. He's getting in the line still. The defense still isn't awesome, but like I think that's something that hopefully will improve in the playoffs. We'll see. But that's been the thing with him, you know, pretty much since his rookie year. But the biggest thing is just he's finishing much, I think, 5% higher at the rim this year. Um, better on his floaters, better in the mid range in general. Uh, and he's taken a little bit more of the offensive usage. Like Mike Conley's still having a really good year, but he seeded a little bit more of the offense to Donovan Mitchell. And mm-hmm. I'm honestly kind of here for it. Like, I think it's been good. Like he's kind of getting, he's taking another leap into that level of being that player who can take over the offense for stretches like that. Like he's been capable of doing it, but to, to, to the varying you know, efficiency that he's bringing now, um, I think we didn't see as consistently in prior years. So, um, I do think there are some positive signs going on in Utah that haven't been talked about as much, but still a lot of the same problems remain though. So what specifically though, when you, that's interesting with Conley giving back, like what have you noticed like in game that tells you that they're more comfortable handing the reins over to Mitchell? 
Well, it's just been more like I think Mike Conley's down to like 19 percent usage on the season, which hmm. was much higher last year. Yeah. Um, and it's not like again, it's not like he's completely seated the offense. He's still setting up sets a lot, getting them into their sets as they get started. Um, but Donovan's really been controlling the actions from there on out, and it's it's been good. Like I think uh, I'm trying to think of like a, a good comparison, but you know. Like they'll they'll have him come out of the corners or you know come off of an Iverson cut into into pick and roll or something like that. So instead of just doing like direct spread pick and roll or something, you know you're getting you're getting a more advantageous looks that way. Mm-hmm. And uh, obviously too, I mean they still do um, platoon swapping to a degree. Like they always pull out Mike Conley and Rudy Gobert in their first. Uh, um, I think within like the first five minutes they'll pull them out, and then it's Donovan with. Uh, the rest of the starters and, and two guys off the bench and, you know, they operate well from there. And um, yeah, they're, they're like, it just has been better this year with Donovan as the lead guard. Interesting. Um, is there a name that, that pops for you that could solve a lot of the perimeter defense uh, defensive questions that you have for them? That's oh, also realistic. That's a good question. Um, doesn't necessarily solve all their problems, but I mean, it depends what happens with Washington, but I, hmm. uh, Contavious Caldwell Pope would be really nice for them. And I think, uh, like, say you trade Joe Ingles and, uh, you know, a pick or something, I think that he'd be attainable. But then, even then, like, it's still another small wing. They need somebody who's a bigger forward. So maybe Kyle Kuzma. Um, I, I'm curious how available he would be from Washington. They have a lot of, I mean, they have, I feel like, five or six fours who are all capable of playing NBA minutes right now. So it makes it murky. Um, and again, they've been on, I mean, they, they've kind of righted the ship a little bit. Um, they've won two of their last six games, which is better than they were doing prior. Um, but I still just don't quite know what to make of them as a team. And unless they go on uh, a pretty solid stretch to close out the month and, and to start January, I, I wouldn't be shocked if they start to sell off some of the guys on the roster, just given they have a ton of NBA talent and they're they're in a kind of awkward place. And obviously, you know, with Bradley Bill's comments last, I think it was two weeks ago, um, they're, they're a very odd team in terms of direction. They feel like one of the few teams that's going to uh, at least have a lot of suitors. So we'll see if they actually sell anything, but um, there's somebody that I would definitely look at in terms of, you know, maybe Kyle Kuzma, maybe Contavious Caldwell Pope. Um, just see what's going on there. Maybe you call out Cam Reddish. Yeah, I, I guess. My problem is, I and this is not meant as Cam Reddish slander, he just does not fit Utah basketball at all. To hmm. me. Um, and I think it, there would have to be a real buy-in from Quinn Snyder to to find ways to work in Cam and from Cam too. Like, I mean, you know, from watching Atlanta, I think Cam is a very good talent. His defense hasn't been as good this year, uh, just in all honesty. But part of that's been, um, I think he just hasn't been as engaged on that end, and he's doing more offensively. So that that just happens sometimes. But uh, he likes to hold the ball a lot, and <laughs> especially with Utah. They, I mean, they're all about ball movement and mm-hmm. they don't really like, I mean, Donovan's incredible at collapsing the defense, but the problem is they don't have a lot of guys outside of him who are doing that. Cam's not really a guy who I think collapses the defense a ton either. I think he could, but that's not entirely how he approaches the game sometimes. Um, he's def. I mean, he's 100% somebody I would go for, but I do think uh, like if he were attainable, yes, but, and I'm, I'm sure like, you know, there've been reports that he might be, 
Um, but if anything, like I would personally rather see them go for somebody who's, you know, maybe a little bit closer to their prime that, that fits their mold immediately. Um, but Cam would be really intriguing for them in terms of if he bought in defensively and was just, you know, focused on, okay, get to the rim or, or take threes instead of doing some of what he does out of, uh, out of the mid range and, uh, loves his fadeaways too. So he does uh, love a fadeaway, but he has like, and he loves all kinds of shots. Cam Reddish has never found a a different kind of shot that he was, he was not into trying. Yeah. That is a freestyler. Um, but yeah, we'll see. I don't know. We'll get to the locks in just a second. Um, in terms of the Warriors that you mentioned them too, what are they doing? Like, what what are some cool stuff that they're doing with Steph to get him up and get him better looks to have him pop off the way he has to start off this year? Is Draymond uh, getting different kinds of looks? Like, is are they running different stuff for him to get him uh, going in a better way than he did previously? What have you What have you noticed and gleaned from them? Uh, Draymond's just been more aggressive this year offensively, hmm. which I think has been really important. Um, like, he's taking the same amount of shots as he did last year, but uh, he's been just more willing to actually take shots and to, to get his own offense, which I think is important. Um, you know, like uh, it sounds very high school football coach, but uh, it's better to make a mistake at 100% than to, you know, do it at that, than to try and do the right thing at 70, because if you're doing something with full intensity or full force, like same thing with like, if you're, if you're cutting from the weak side or something, if you really want to grab the defense's attention, you have to do it hard and fast. Otherwise they're not going to care. Like if, if Draymond just sits there and, and waits a while to, to shoot, then, OK, they're not going to close out on him. and It's not really going to bend the de- defense. And if if it goes in good, uh, but for the most part, we know from him as a shooter, that's just not going to go in enough to, to really matter. Um, but he's been more aggressive, just attacking off the bounce. You know, uh, if he's not being guarded on the perimeter, he immediately goes and sets an impromptu ball screen and hands the ball off. Um and I just think he's been a lot better in that. In general, part of that's been their offense has just flowed a lot more in general this year with, you know, having some some of their preliminary players have fit a lot better. Um, obviously, like Otto Porter's fit well. Um, having Iguodala back, he's played pretty well for them. Um, Damian Lee continues to be really fun to watch. I love Damian Lee. Uh, Jordan Poole's continuing off what he did last year. I think that overall they just have guys who fit in together more. Um as for things that have been interesting that I've really liked, that's been kind of new. Uh, Jonathan Kaminga, I've been really excited about. Um, obviously, I, I mean, I think in, in doing draft work, I was probably lower on Kaminga than uh, general consensus. Like a lot of people thought he was he was the guy who should be the fifth pick or the fourth pick. I can't remember. Um, and I was like more of like, OK, mid to late lottery with him just because I think there were a lot of uh, like, he's still a pretty raw player and I've really liked how they've approached him uh, with development and how they want to get him involved. And they found ways to make him uh, you like to, to, to provide utility without hurting them early on. And I've really liked that. Cause I think there was an idea that a lot of teams would take him in and uh, maybe try and treat him more as a, as a small forward. And uh, because he does have, he, he does have real ball skills, but his feel just really is, it's kind of a ways away from being somebody who could have the ball in their hands that much. So they've really treated him more as being a four or five and uh, you know, kind of operating for them as a dive man, uh, just focusing on doing some of the little things on defense, working on screening, uh, doing dribble handoffs and, it still isn't perfect, but I've, I've really liked the looks he gives them. Um, he had a really good game against, I think it was the Kings. Uh, no, it wasn't the Kings. It was the game before the Kings. 
I can't remember what game it was off the top of my head. Yeah, it was the Toronto game. He was really good against Toronto. Uh, part of that was how many guys were out they ended up losing. But um, regardless, I think you started to see some positives from him. I thought coming into the year that Moses Moody would be the more ready rookie, but it's been uh, it's been Kaminga so far, and I've been pretty impressed with that. Um, I don't know what that means for the playoffs. I don't really think he's necessarily going to factor in there, but that they're getting this much out of him already has been uh, encouraging for sure. Interesting. Um, from your perspective, what has plagued the Hawks the most at this point and why they're staring at a playing game if the season were to end today? Uh, well, to be fair, injuries have definitely hurt them. Um, like just being blunt and honest, I think it hurts because they, it just never felt like they got going right at the beginning of the year. Like Clint was totally off for the first probably two weeks of the season. He's looked almost completely like himself until now he's out of with health and safety protocols. But um, like DeAndre Hunter getting hurt really hurt them. Jeez, terrible plan of words. Um, but it, it was it was odd because DeAndre came in and he, they were so good in that first game against the Mavs. And DeAndre was fantastic uh, in how he played and looked alongside the starters. Um, and he just never quite was able to mesh with what they were doing. I, it felt like and not like he was killing the offense or anything, but it felt more like he wasn't really getting his things in the flow of the offense. It felt like there was a lot of not that he was hunting a shot, but um, like trying to get himself going and, and find the groove that he had last year before he got hurt and just never really found it. Like, it's not like he was playing bad. I still think he did a lot for them defensively. That's, that's important and good. And they would benefit from having him back. But that never felt quite right. Um, Bogey really wasn't himself to start the year either, I felt like. Um I mean, again, he was somebody who I felt was playing a little bit better lately before um, before he got hurt. Uh, and again, somebody else that they need. But it, it almost feels like there's just too many guys trying to get going right now. And the problem is, especially with the bench, like I think the starters have played pretty cohesively for the most part. But the bench has just been a mess. Um, and part of it has been uh, like I think part of it is on Nate for for how the bench has looked. I don't understand playing Lou Williams. Um, like he is cooked. Like I, I don't want to be unfair. Uh, no, he should be the Udonis Haslam of Atlanta at this point. Like yeah, that's who like, he should be, and that's I'm, I'm here for it. No, and it's been it's been rough in his minutes, especially on on defense. And he just hasn't been the same player offensively either. He's not able to get space the same way that he had been in, in prior years. And even like I mean, he had moments of utility last year. Like he really did some solid stuff, but this year just hasn't been there. Gallo has been rough. Like he's shooting the three better, but um, inside the arc, it's basically if his jumper isn't falling, then what is he doing? Because he's he hasn't been very impactful defensively. I mean, I should say he's been negatively impactful. Um, and I think what's been the hardest part for their bench is that I liked the DeLon Wright uh, trade personally. But after seeing how they haven't used him, it's been frustrating. Like if you aren't using DeLon Wright to just run pick and roll steady your offense and run your second unit, then there's not really a lot of point in having him. Like he's not a, he's not an off ball player. He hasn't been his entire career. That was a big reason for why he ended up not staying in Toronto, why it didn't work for him in Memphis. The reason it did work for him when he was in Dallas is because he was their backup point guard and really ran a lot of things for them. And I think if Atlanta is going to fix their bench, it's either by de-emphasizing his role or finding a way to get him going and, and leading that, that unit. But it's tough, too, because then you look at, I mean, Cam, 
I, I've had a love-hate relationship with Cam's game this year. I really do think that he's improved in some areas. Like, the shot-making has been cool. There have been some really nice flashes. But the defense has regressed. Uh, and, again, part of that, I think, it's just team overall. Um, but, like, he's just doing too much. Um, like, I, I don't think that he needs to get some of the reps that he's getting. Like, just giving him straight on-ball reps, I don't really think it's doing anything positive for him or the team because he's just – you know, as you've seen, a lot of jab steps and and mid 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 post isolation, and it's not exactly um, awesome. Like I want to just see him. Okay, can you become a movement shooter? Can you do a little bit more? Can you come off flare screens? Can you come off pin downs? Um, what about attacking second side? Can you run secondary pick and rolls on the side? And I think that's where, if you had Delon really organizing the bench units, you maybe see more of that. Um, does that kind of track with what you're seeing? Because that's that's where I'm at. I'm hoping that Onyeka Kongwu can really solidify the bench. He had some nice minutes in his first game back, but again, oh, like I'm he's big, not the guy Kongu who's going to solidify everything. He's not a solidifying guy, but I mean, he is the future at the five for them. Like yeah. he's he's part of their core piece. Like I think he's he's almost untouchable for me at the moment. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think, and we saw last year in the playoffs, like it's real and it's coming with him. He just fits. He checks so many boxes for what you want in a modern five. Um, I do, I do wonder about the Clint Capella stuff long term, and I like a lot of it has been he's he was banged up, and obviously not himself, and he's had slow starts before um, in NBA years, and he he was not good, especially defensively. Um, we like they tried to figure out who the right five was early on. Uh, Nate did, and the the best five that the Hawks can throw out as of this moment is still Trey, Bogey, Herder, Collins, and Capella, um, but. You need all those guys on the floor. Bogey's been banged up a little bit. And like you said, health is a lot of this. But I also think timelines are confusing uh, with this group right now. And the defense has been objectively bad all year long. And it's hard to figure out the right five that will be good enough defensively to get them back to where they want to go. Because their two best defenders, uh, one of which Cam Reddish does not fit with this group. Um, And then, of course, uh, DeAndre Hunter, who... I have been saying, like, this was probably a year and a half ago where they made a mistake not getting off uh, DeAndre Hunter before. Like, when he was playing point forward at the beginning of last year, that was great. Like, it was cool. And it's like, oh, is there this other level? And I'm like, the injury stuff with him is just always going to be there. Unfortunately, like, there's just some guys who come to the league and you're just like, that's in- he's an injury-prone guy. And that's unfortunate, but I would have moved, like, sold high and just been like, all right, let's get out of this business. Um, <laughs> let's go get someone who we can bank on to play with Trey and Herter and groups. Like, Herter is the engine that keeps this thing moving. Like he is the guy that facilitates everything. He's so fluid with Trey and with Bogey and with Collins and with Capella. Like he just works and he has to remain in the starting lineup. If that is the case, then DeAndre Hunter is uh, in a weird spot. Like, do you put him at the two and pull Bogey into the the second unit? I don't know. Um, I just think that there's a lot of weird fits. There's the too many guys problems where the Hawks have a lot of capable players and not enough minutes and they need some of these guys to just play a bunch of minutes. And I, I don't know. I think it's going to require some trades. I don't think they can think, fix this internally with the pieces that they have, but I do think it's, it's obviously salvageable because this is still an incredibly talented team and Collins and Trey are not going to let this continue. I, I don't think for the the remainder uh, the remainder of the season but i do think they have real problems and i think uh they're going to have to do some do some stuff and travis link's going to have to make some uncomfortable decisions uh, in the next couple months because you just can't be in this below 500 spot this long um when you just made the eastern conference finals and you're trying to keep trey and uh the rest of this fan base and ownership happy 
No, I agree. Um, like they've been ripe for a consolidation trade for like yep. a year and a half now. It feels like. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that means you know leaning into getting Ben Simmons. Maybe it's uh, getting it's Jeremy Grant. Um, but it, it, there's there's not a perfect fit. Like that's what's so difficult about drafting well and having guys hit. Like right now, it's insane. They have they have. I mean, obviously, it's going to go down with the Kongwu, but they have nine guys scoring in double figures. Yeah. Um, like it's. And it's just like they, they so clearly need that third guy, because as much as I think you want Kevin Herter to take that ne- next step, like, I don't know if he's ever going to be that guy. And that's OK. Like, he's been very good still. Like, I think the numbers, of course, undersell him. And he was for stretches like the third best player on the team last yep. year. Um, and they're all comfortable I, I with him, like, too. Like, I think yeah. there there's a comfort there. Like, Trey trusts Kevin Herter. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, no, I, I think he's part of it. I don't think yeah, I'm not saying he's untouchable. But Herder, I'd be way more concerned about moving in a consolidation trade than Reddish or Hunter at this point. Mm-hmm. Even no, Bogey. Totally Even Bogey. I don't know. I mean, Bradley Beal is the top of the wish list for me. And it's like, oh, well, that doesn't sell the defensive stuff. And I'm just like, I want to see what happens in a seven-game series where you're tasked with uh, handling Bradley Beal and Trey Young in the half court and beating them four, four out of seven times, outscoring that that unit four out of seven times. Let's see. Like, I want to like, I, I see what that looks like in uh, in a seven game series and what happens with those two. Cause I just, I don't know that that would be, that's my idealistic Hawks trade at the moment is just double down on the offense and see who can stop the Hawks in a seven game series with those two. That the, would be pretty point. nice. I would, I would very much enjoy that duo. Um, I do have to say though, uh, two things. Number one, Trey has been, in my opinion, I think Trey's a top 10 player in the NBA now. Um, okay. Like, I think he solidified himself as that, He's up to like the way that he's gotten to this level as a scorer has been really impressive. Like he obviously, I mean, the mid range game has come along for him now. He's just scoring better from two in general. He's shooting more from three. He's shooting better from three. The passing has been, uh, I mean, as good as always. Um, I'm there with him as being a top 10 player in the league. I think he's, I mean, it's not even, I, I think like he has been a better player this year than Damian Lillard probably a better player this year than James Harden. Like I, that's not even a hot take. Um, I, I mean, if you watch that Nets game, he was better. Like Durant was the yeah. best player on the floor, but he was better than Harden the entire game. Yeah, definitely. And then, I mean, even going to John Collins too, like John's been the second best player on the team easily. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been incredible. Like his defense, he's been the most consistent and best defender on the team. In my opinion, with what he does all around, uh, he's made strides as a passer. Like you can actually trust him a little bit as a short role playmaker and just his decision making is better in general. Um, such a good player and so important to what the team does. I wish that he could be an all-star this year. Like I just, I, the, the numbers probably aren't going to be there for attacks to happen, but, um, he's been that good. Like maybe if they make some giant second half run and, and he's a big part of it, it could happen. But yeah, yeah, I just, I just had to shout him out. I feel wrong not doing it. I always enjoy watching him play. Absolutely. And he got paid and he's someone who uh, did not let that affect his game. And I think that's a good thing. Mm -hmm. And it's a good culture piece. Um, The Hornets also kind of in this weird spot. They were early darlings. I mean, LaMelo obviously being as fun as he is. However, they're in a weird spot. They're in the play in situation. I just I don't know what to make of them. Like if you're the Hornets right now and you're Mitch Kupchak, how are you viewing this team and the pieces that you have financial decisions that are looming. Is there anything that you would do that just shake things up to get them back uh, more towards what you saw early on this year? Uh, that's a good question. I mean, I think 
they pretty clearly have to have like a real starting caliber five, in my mm. opinion. Like their defense has been untenable. Um, like they had a stretch where they started to look better defensively, but it's fallen apart. They're now absolutely last in defensive rating. Um, and that tracks what you see on court. Like they just consistently get put into rotation over and over and over again because they don't get stops at the point of attack and they don't really have anybody to get stops back line. Um, they have a lot of athleticism. They have a lot of guys who can do things defensively, but I just don't really, I think part of this is on James Borrego in my opinion. Like I, I don't really understand some of the things that he runs defensively. Like it just feels a little bit uh, like they play a very vibes based defense. Like <laughs> it's just kind of uh, make the hardest closeout possible and see what happens. And, and that's obviously deducing it too much, but um they, they just need a lot more in terms of building something consistent there. Cause again, they're like, I think you can live with being 18th in defense and just being as good of an offense as they have been this year. I mean, they're, they're third in offense right now, but doing what they've done defensively just can't, can't slide. Um, I mean, Mason Plumley has not been good for them, but it also stands like they've been, it, it's been important for them to have Mason Plumley there because if Mason Plumley's not playing, then they really just don't have anybody who can fill those minutes at the five. Like, Nick Richards does some stuff. He's been playing like eight-ish minutes a game, and he's been okay, but not very good. Like he's he's still working on being an NBA player. Um, I mean, PJ PJ Washington plays the nominal five a lot. He spent eighty-four percent of his time there. He started there most of the time when Plumlee was gone with injury. Um, like Jalen McDaniels has actually been kind of nice, but he does he's really not built to play the five. I just think that if they're going to unlock some more things defensively or or to be a, a, a better team in general, they, they have to kind of sort that out. Interesting. Um, Scotty Barnes and OG Ananobi, two guys that are incredibly interesting and it makes the Raptors so hard to forecast over the next couple of years. Um, what have they been showing to you this year that's uh, caught your attention both in a positive way and in a negative way? Uh, I don't really have a ton of negatives. Uh, I think about... Like, all right, so for Toronto in general, if I had one negative, uh, I mean, I think OG probably hasn't taken the step that I think people were expecting. Um, and that's not meant as a slight. I think it was a little bit unhinged how much people were expecting him to take a step. Like, I still think he's been, uh, I don't want to say he's been a better player than last year because a lot of it's just been role. Like, his efficiency's gone down quite a bit. Part, I mean, that's going to happen if you're on the ball more. Uh, I don't really think we've seen like a massive tangible change in his game. He's been better recently, um, obviously missed a decent amount of time, but I still think like the passing is coming along for him. His handle is a little bit better, but still really clunky. Um, he's still a very nice player. And I think he's just kind of been uh, like people have been a little bit unfair with him because of the expectations for this year. Um, but he's still, I mean, he's still been awesome, man. Like OG's one of my favorite players in the league. He's an incredible defender. He's shooting much better from three now as the season's gone on. Like he just, he does a lot of good things that you can't really cut What kind short. of threes are they? What's like he's doing list? some yeah. stuff off the, off the dribble. Okay. He's still not like, he's taking a lot off the dribble. Last time I checked, he wasn't shooting well off the dribble. Yeah. But I mean, he's, he's got the highest three point attempt rate of his career. Hmm. Um, he's doing more stuff out of the post, obviously not threes, but like yeah. some more self-created stuff. Um, I mean, he just had his first game back in like a month against the the, the Warriors in that win the other yeah. day. So I can't really take a whole ton away from what he's doing recently. But um, just in general, like I I think 
he's he's not like the most uh, what's the way to put it. He's not like the most bendy guy. Like he's mm. he's kind of a stiff athlete. So I, I'm curious to see how much more he can work in movement threes and doing stuff off the dribble. But um, we'll see on that. Like the I think the bigger thing for him has been just getting to the rim more, finding yeah. easier. Uh, like he's he's a true power athlete. So getting his handle to the level where he's comfortable enough to just back guys down or um, work his way to the rim through you know kind of <laughs> forearming is the wrong way to put it, but. You know, like barreling his way to the rim in a, in a, in a way and uh, drawing free throws because he has uh, like massive wingspan, a lot of weight, so easy way to get free throws. Um, Scotty Barnes though has kind of just surpassed everything that I expected for him. Um, like watching him at Florida State last year, I really liked him as a player. I wasn't sure what to make of him. Um, like I really saw more of like being kind of like a Thad Young type guy who solid athlete but not like a great athlete who has really good passing vision uh but isn't necessarily a great scorer like they have obviously has scoring chops but not not somebody who can create their own shot a lot and that just hasn't been the case for scotty which has been so crazy to me because there was nothing really from his his tape at montford when he was in high school or um or at florida state that that led me to believe he would be this kind of player in the nba like I don't think he's a primary initiator or anything, but he's doing primary initiator things for Toronto, which has been crazy. Like he went from being a pretty limited uh, vertical athlete last year to now, I think he's dunked more times in his 27 games with Toronto than he did his entire time at Florida state. Wow. Um, Yeah. Like he's, he's just like, he legitimately has just been a better athlete, which Mm. is not something you can really project. Um, like he hasn't been as stiff as he was. He's a little bit more, uh, I wouldn't say he's faster or anything, but his handle's just a little bit better, a little bit tighter. And doing stuff off the dribble too as a shooter has been kind of wild. Like he's taking pull at mid-rangers, which that was not a thing at all at Florida State. He's kind of comfortable operating out of the post, has a, has a little bit of a face-up game. Um, Toronto again, was losing their that, mind at one particular one where he pulled up. It was at the it was mid range spot. I think it was the right elbow where mm-hmm. he, I forgot who they were playing, but he hit it and just uh, people were losing their minds. I'm like, all right, let's let's calm down. This is not uh, uh, Demar Derozan late uh, for a Chicago game this year. This is uh, this is nice, but let's let's calm down where we're going with Scotty yeah. Barnes. Yeah, no, I mean people. I mean fans always go a little too far with things, but he has legitimately been like insanely impressive to me. It's the Kawhi and, Leonard and, thing, where it's just they keep waiting for the next Kawhi to develop. Like they want because Kawhi went there, and you saw what this Raptors team yeah. was like with him. It's like could OG be the next Kawhi? Can Scotty be the next Kawhi? There's just can Pascal. Like it just if you're a freakish defender wing who has upside, it's just like can they be Kawhi? It's like that meme. It's is this yeah. a Kawhi Leonard? It's like probably not. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> No, exactly. I mean, the craziest part, too, is uh, like he went I mean, he took I mean, he took threes at Florida State, like yeah. one or two a game was not really a shooter, was never a shooter in high school or AAU. And over the last nine games, he's shooting 40 percent on four and a half threes a game. Like there was uh, I mean, he hadn't taken more than three threes in a game up until the 28th. And then on the 28th, they're playing Boston. He's just having kind of a quiet game. And then ends up taking nine threes. I think most of them were in the second half, too. Um, it's just, like, stuff like that. Like, his development curve has been wild to to kind of track and, and see how he's grown as a player. And 
what he's doing is, I mean, as a live dribble passer too, not just as a standstill guy operating from the post or at the top of the key. He's done a lot of stuff getting downhill and, and passing the ball. That has been, I mean, kind of <laughs> just really encouraging. Um, there hasn't been a rookie making passes like that other than Cade Cunningham. In my opinion, I, it's hard to really see anyone else who's done that. The only thing that's really not been great about Sky is his defense, which is kind of funny considering that was what everyone expected him to be great at coming in. I mean, I had some hesitations about him as a defender coming in because a lot of um, what he was so good at, at at Florida State was that he is six foot nine with a seven four wingspan and he plays with just absurd intensity. Like, um, so he's just absolutely pounded guys at Florida State's a great defensive team pretty much every year under Leonard Hamilton. Um, but I do think you saw like whenever he played like a, a, a more pro level uh, guard, like he would get blown by at times. And that's been the case a lot in Toronto. His off ball defense has been pretty suspect. Um, he does obviously create events. Like I think he's averaging like two steals and blocks per game. So he's been active, but yeah, there's definitely a lot for him to clean up defensively. But overall, like he's been he's been ridiculously good as a rookie. Last last thing we'll wrap up here, Mark. Um You're a positive guy. You're a positive guy. <laughs> that One is one of the true. reasons I like you on this podcast. So you're good. you're very positive. Appreciate that. However, I want to see if I can oh, no. clean it. I, see, there was a catch. You had to wait to, for the end. There was another pin to drop. Um Who, when you're a league pass and you're watching around the league, who have you really just loads watching this year? Who do you like? Is it like just the scheme they're running, uh, the kind of players that they're throwing out there, the coaching style? Who have you really actually dreaded watching a lot of this year? Oh, that's a great question. Probably Dallas. Hmm. Um, yeah, Dallas is up there for me. They've been pretty just not good. Their offense, I really don't like what they do offensively. Um, like, they force themselves into a lot of jumpers because they don't do anything good to get themselves down, downhill. Like yeah. Luca has not been good for being honest. Like he's been better recently, but uh, I know he came in out of shape uh, and it's been, it was, I mean, it was very apparent right away. His defense has been a lot worse this year after being like an above average defender last year. So that's been disappointing. Um, he hasn't had the same kind of burst getting downhill this year. Um, and it's been it's not just on Luca. Like I think a lot of it is I mean not a lot. I think a decent amount is okay, Luca hasn't met himself, but also I mean, nobody is shooting well. Like Chris Stapps shooting twenty eight percent from three. Reggie Bullock, who was one of their bigger free agency signings, shooting twenty seven percent from three, which I believe is his worst career mark. Like he hasn't he shot It's not good last, when that's all you do. Yeah. He's basically well, getting I mean, he some cardio out there. percent on six yeah. attempts per game last year and has been a, a, an, a an above league average shooter pretty much his entire career. So I think it will write out for him, but like this has been a really discouraging start for him. I mean, Jalen Brunson has been good, but even then his shot has fallen off a little bit. Um, there just hasn't been a lot of positive for them. They really lack anybody else other than Luka who can, who can drive and create for the offense. And it's just – kind of gross like they're they're not very good defensively either even though that's what jason kidd was like kind of coming in to do like they're they're 13th in defense right now it's kind of fake in my opinion when they play good offenses they really struggle um they're not a fun watch in my opinion because i think they could be better um portland would be up there too i think those are the only two teams i would say i, I like vehemently do not enjoy watching and portland is because 
they just have a very poorly constructed roster. Obviously, Dame hasn't played well, but um, I don't think part of it is on. I mean, obviously now he's not there anymore with Neil O'Shea, but I don't think he really like the way this roster got put together. He was kind of hamstrung in doing it, but also like uh, like Chauncey Billups is hell bent on using Robert Covington as their defensive stopper, and he's just never been that guy. Like he's a solid to very good off ball defensive player. Um, but they're using him more as a point of attack defender and like they're playing. It, it took until the last like two or three weeks to, to use Larry Nance at the five instead of playing with the four all the time. And part of that is he had to play the four because the Nurkic is there and Nurkic has not been very good either. Uh, but part of that too is, you know, they can't get stops on the perimeter and, they can't really – I honestly think they should go back to just playing drop again with him because they try and play a lot of, of uh, defense close to the level of the screen, and he's not he's not quick enough. He doesn't have the recovery skills to do that. Uh, so he's been out of place a lot. Like the whole defense has just been a mess. Uh, and the offense has kind of regressed too because of Dame just not being himself. Um, yeah, and with everything just going on behind the scenes there that has come to light, it's just been a lot less fun to watch that team for sure too. There you go. There you go. Mark, what can the good folks check out from you across the internet this week? Yeah, um, I just put out an article over at Basketball News last week on Anthony Davis, uh, how much injuries suck, and just appreciating players while they're playing really well. Um, Because a lot of, not to keep going on, but uh, I mean, with AD's out for a month now, and I think a lot has been made out of his struggles this year, and I, I think a lot of it has just been dealing with some of the recurring injuries that uh, I've played in the last two years since the bubble. Um, so you can read that. I believe that's still linked in my bio on Twitter or not bio, my, uh, my pin tweet, but then you can follow me on Twitter at M Schindler NBA. I should have a couple articles coming out this week. Um, things are ramping up. So yeah, I appreciate you having me on, man. This was a blast. Absolutely. You're always welcome. Always welcome. And hopefully some more appearances as the season continues on, uh, as we go into 2022, Happy holidays, my friend, and uh, I will talk to you very soon. Same to you, man. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.